0: suppose if you want to open up somewhere, you can open up to Philippians, yeah, probably Philippians chapter 3. We're going to be bouncing around just a little bit. Happy New Year. Well, I got, got one or two. It is the first Sunday of the year. Sorry about that. It is the first Sunday of the year, and if this is your first New Year's with us here at Providence, let me say welcome. I'm glad that you guys are here. We have something of a tradition here at Providence that we do the first Sunday of the year, namely that I uh, implore people to make New Year's resolutions, and everyone ignores me. That's pretty much what we do uh, every year. It's just kind of it's just kind of what we do on this Sunday, uh, and this New Year will be no different, at least not not completely. Uh, to to be to be honest, it's a, probably a little bit more nuanced uh, than that. Um, I, I'm not particularly... I, I don't really care if you guys write something down and have some formal New Year's resolutions that you probably won't keep. That's not really what my goal is. I don't want you to do that. Really, my bigger my bigger thought is, and what I really want um, to... to encourage you guys to do and kind of almost beg you guys to do is less about new year's resolutions and more about new year's reflections i want you to have uh the the time where you stop at some point if you haven't done it in the last week at some point this week or in the days to come where you stop and 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 you think about what you have done and and what has brought you here to this this place and then figure out What do you do with those New Year's reflections? I don't care what you call them. I don't care if you call them goals or smart goals or New Year's resolutions or I'm just going to go do this thing or I'm an idiot, I need to do better at this. I don't care what you call them. Uh, Do something with those reflections, though. That's my goal. And I said this last year, and I'll say it again this year. It would be a shame for us to go through the year that we've been through in 2021 and not stop and just... Consider what we have done. 2020 was rough, there's no doubt about that, but 2021 was no walk in the park either. I think we've learned uh, in in 1 Peter, you know, we've been in that all fall. I think we learned through 1 Peter that this world was never meant to be easy for us. I think we've seen is that, that there's constantly going to be things pressing against us and pressing on us, and we would do well if we just recognize this world was never meant to be easy. We spent all fall talking about enduring suffering in a world not built for our ease or our comfort. So let me be the, maybe the first to tell you, congratulations, you've made it to 2022. And I mean that, I don't say that sarcastically, I don't say that cynically. You've made it to another year. Whether you were flying across the finish line, and this year has been an amazing one and one for the books, or whether you limped from January 1st of last year to December 31st of this year, and it was a difficult year for you and one you'd rather forget, you're here. So welcome to 2022. I'm glad you're here, and I'm glad that you're here with us. Don't underestimate the simple act of persevering and enduring. That is a grace that God has given us, and we should not overlook it. That being said, uh, some of you guys might feel like, as we go into this New Year contestant that I saw on uh, Jeopardy, I don't know, it was a day or two ago, we were watching with my with my family, and you know the, the personal story portion of the show? The guy said that he had, uh, he had gotten up early to go with a friend hiking, and they were going to hike across the Yosemite Valley, 18-mile Hike, and the goal was to walk across the Yosemite Valley, get to the other side, and whenever they got there, they were going to catch the shuttle bus back to their car on the other side. The problem is, when they got there, the last bus had left 15 minutes before they got there, so they had to turn around then and 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 hike all the way back the 18 miles uh, back across Yosemite Valley. Some of you may feel like that a little bit this morning as this year starts, like. I barely made it to the end, and now you're telling me I got to turn around and go back and do it again. Uh, I get that. I understand that feeling just a little bit. That is kind of how that's kind of how things work. There is no real finish line. You just got to turn around and do it all again. That's the way life is. It just keeps coming at you. It does not stop, good or bad. It just keeps coming. So. With that spirit and all that in mind, I want to offer you my first challenge of this year, of 2022, and that is don't let this year get too too far into the year before you stop and consider what, what it took to get you here to this point, what this year has brought for you. What did you learn? What did God teach you? Where did you feel like you you succeeded? Where did you feel like you failed? Where did things go according to plan? What went haywire? How did you respond to those things? What pushed you further into your dependence and knowledge of God? And what pushed you further away? So many other questions like that. Think through those questions. Use those as diagnostic tools for your heart. Like a test at the doctor's office. They can tell you Where your heart is, where your focus is, what has a hold of your heart, what has a hold of your mind, where your idols are. All of those things are right there in front of you. If you take the time in this week to think back to this past year and say, how did things go and how did I get here? Each and every one of those is a test for you, a test just like the doctor would give to say, here's where you are. New Year's reflections are powerful tools that God, I believe God, has given us to help diagnose our hearts and our spirit. Now, before you offer up your, well, technically, we can do that on any day. Well, yes, absolutely, you can. And I think that you probably should build that in, but... Something about, you know, January 1st or we'll say January 2nd that makes that feel a little bit easier than May the 2nd or August the 26th or whatever other date you want to throw out there. It is built into uh, kind of the rhythm of our calendar that this is a great time for us to stop and to think just a little bit. And I'll be honest with you, part of me wants to stop right here in my sermon. And just say, all right, that's all I want to get across. All I really want you to do is stop and reflect. I want you to walk away with that mindset that I need to stop for just a minute. Because in the hectic nature of this world, we are encouraged, we are pushed, we are pressed to move on to the next thing as quickly as we can. This world is good at moving us to the next thing. It's not so good about letting us sit and think and absorb the last thing. I want you to be able to do that. Even if it wasn't good, even if it wasn't something you want to remember, There's something about that that allows you to consider, what is it in my heart that makes me feel this way about what we've gone through? And then then if it is good, if you have had a good year, then you're able to sit back and think, here's how God was faithful and here's how God showed up in ways that maybe I did not expect that he would. Both of those are an important spiritual discipline that we frankly are not very good at. And so I would like to stop right there and encourage you to the point that that's the only point that I'm going to make this morning. But I'm not going to stop right there uh, because if I stop, then I will have done little more than what the world does, frankly. I think there's a little bit more of a spiritual encouragement to the things that I've said, but I really would have, re- would have repeated the message you've probably heard a few times over the last day or two, which is basically what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, so just keep going. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger, so you're here for another year, good job, just keep going. That is generally the world's message to us, if it's a positive message that we get at all. But that message is missing something very important. And so what I want to do is I want to take that exhortation that I've given you to stop and reflect And then I want to say, here's what you do with those reflections. And I want to add what the world does not, which is the gospel. You see, the gospel changes the way we approach New Year's as Christians, it changes our New Year's reflections. Listen to how Paul says it in Philippians chapter 3. He says, But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss. Because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things. And count them as rubbish. In order that I may gain Christ. And he skip down a couple of verses. He says not that I have already obtained this. Or am already per- perfect. But I press on to make it my own. Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do. Forgetting what lies behind. And straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So while New Year's reflections are good and helpful and I think right as Christians we have something far better to offer in the midst of those reflections. Because while our past may be a valuable teaching tool, our past does not define us. Our past our past is not who we are. The gospel is the promise that no matter where we've been, no matter what we've done, that's good or bad. No matter how good you think you are or how bad you think you are. No matter how successful you think you are. No matter how big a failure you think you are. No matter what you think about your past or how you got here. What the Bible teaches us, what the gospel teaches us Is that no matter how how prosperous we are or how much suffering we've endured, none of those things define us. Your rule following and your goodness does not define you before God. Your failures and your sin does not define you before God if you are in Christ. Our past may teach us, but it does not define us in Christ. Paul says, I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me, his own and that reality that we press on we move forward because of what christ has done for us changes the way we look at our past and the way we then move forward into our future you see this is what god does this is what god does it's one of the main themes in scripture god is about doing and creating new things and all I'm going to do for the rest of our time here this morning, I'm going, to sl- I'm, I'm going to very quickly kind of walk through different times in the Bible. I say walk through. I'm going to kind of run through some different times in, in the Bible where God did just that. He made all things new. But before I do that, I want to back up and I just want to encourage you again. This does not mean there's not value in a New Year's reflection and looking back on how we got here. There is value in that. It just doesn't simply define who we are because we have a better and a more abiding truth. In Genesis 1, God creates the world and humanity. He hands dominion over, uh, of earth over to Adam and Eve only to see them fail and stumble. What does God do in that point? He does something new. He shows them grace. He offers them hope. Yes, they're cast out of the garden, but their past will not be the only thing that becomes true about them. God does something new. You fast forward, and I'm not even coming close to touching all the times this happens in Scripture. This is a repeated theme over and over in Scripture. In microcosm, in individuals' lives, and then in big macro ways, in the ways that he walks through things. Abram was a simple man, living in Ur, minding his own business. When God comes to him and tells him, I'm about to do something new through you, Abraham. You've never seen anything like this. You're old. You're content in your way of life. You're without a child. You have no one to inherit all of your wealth and everything that you have. You have none of those things. But I'm about to do something new. I'm going to turn your offspring into a great nation. More than you can even begin to count your name won't be Abram, it will now be Abraham, and it doesn't matter where you've been or where you're from, because I'm in the business of doing something new, and I've chosen to do it through you and through your offspring. He goes to Moses and he says, you're a shepherd hiding in Midian, ashamed of your failures. You think this is your lot in life. You think this is where you will be until you die. But Moses, I'm about to do something new and I'm going to use you to do it. I'm sending you back to Egypt. And this time where you failed before, you will see success because I am with you. And whenever you leave Egypt this next time, you're going to bring your people, Israel, back with you. It doesn't matter who you are or what you've done or what your past says about you doesn't matter how you failed before doesn't matter how many times you've messed this up none of those are reasons for you to doubt me because i'm about to do something new and i'm going to use you to do it your past is irrelevant all that matters is i'm about to do something new israel has anointed its first king Saul has taken the throne, but things don't go exactly how God had instructed them to go. He sends out Samuel and he says, go find a new king that will take Saul's place. And the assumption is that they want one like the old one, tall and strong and built to lead. And God instructs Samuel to find the small forgotten shepherd out in the field, the least likely to be named a king. He says, I'm about to do something new. I'm going to anoint the king king that I want. And it's not like the other one. And it's not like the one that you would pick. And it's not like the one that defines everything else that you think about what leadership should be. I want the young, the small, the weak David out in the field. I'm about to do something new. It doesn't matter what he's done. It doesn't matter what he's like. What matters is what I'm about to do. I'm doing something new. Fast forward in the history of Israel. They are in exile. God speaks to the prophet Isaiah, and he tells his people that they have read about the Exodus in the past. They've seen how God has done things in the past. But, but now, in the midst of their exile, they need to prepare because he's about to do something new with them. This is Isaiah chapter 43, verse 18. God says through Isaiah, remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness. I will make rivers in the desert. God says, I know that you have failed. I know that you have done everything you can to forego your inheritance and your birthright as my chosen people. I warned you not to do it, and you did it anyway. But that's all the past now. And I'm about to do something new. This exile won't be forever. This will not be how your story ends. I'm doing something new. Jeremiah, another prophet, shouting warnings at God's people, saying, Don't go here. Don't do that. And they, they refuse to heed. They do not hear what it is that God is doing. God speaks through Jeremiah, and he says this in Jeremiah chapter. 31, chapter 31, verse 31, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. So not the same as the one that he's done before, not whenever they came out of Exodus, not whenever they even came out of exile. I'm about to make a new covenant. Not like the one that says, my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. Here's the new covenant that I'm going to make. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, know the Lord. For they shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. He tells them what he's told his people throughout history. In big, in, in big instances of national importance and in small little individual stories of people all throughout the Old Testament, he tells them that their past will not be the only part of their stories. Why? Because he's about to do something new. He's going to take this old covenant that he established with Adam and Eve, and then he, 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 he reiterated with, with, uh, with, with Abraham, and that he had then again reiterated through Isaiah, and that he talked about how it worked through jeremiah this old covenant that was set up he's going to take that old covenant and he's going to say i'm not going to work that way anymore and it doesn't make this covenant obsolete but i'm going to give you a better one a more surpassing one i'm going to give you a new covenant he's going to do something new it's not that what is old is 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 irrelevant or unimportant it's that what he is doing in the future the new thing that he is doing that changes everything about the old You move to the New Testament. You have the visit of the angels to the shepherds, to Mary, to Joseph, to John and Elizabeth, to what Chris read this morning. You have the Christmas story. The Christmas story is effectively God coming in a big way to very unexpected people and saying, I'm doing a new thing. You haven't heard from me, Israel, in hundreds of years. But that's not because you are a forgotten people. It's because I'm about to do something new through my people. That's part of what is happening in the Christmas story. It is God saying, I told you I would, and now I am. I made a promise, and now I'm keeping that promise. Oh, time and time again, we can go through the miracles that Jesus performed and the way that, that, that Jesus taught the Pharisees. And he said, you've taught it this way, Pharisees, but you don't understand. God is doing a new thing. You've said you can't heal on the Sabbath, but God is doing a new thing. You've said that you have to pray in this way or do these certain things, but I'm telling you, Pharisees, God is doing something in a very new and unexpected way. And then you move to the end of Jesus' life. And what do you find there? That even as Jesus prepares for the end of his life, he's doing something new. In Luke chapter 22, verse 17. It's the Last Supper. This is right just hours before his death He was doing something new. That's the story of Jesus' ministry. It's the story of His death. It's why we're going to take the Lord's Supper this morning on the first Sunday of the year to remind ourselves that whatever our past is, it is not what defines us. Because Jesus came and He said, I have a new covenant for you. My body will be broken. My blood will be spilled in order to to ratify this covenant. But it is a new covenant. I am doing a new thing. And the good news for us today is that this new covenant that Jesus instituted is the same one that helps us today. It's the same one that we approach Christ under today. It's the same one that allows us To take our New Year's reflections that allows us to sit back and be honest about where we have failed. To be honest about where we have sinned. To be honest about where we have gone wrong and done the wrong thing. And say, this was true about me, but it is not true under the blood of Christ anymore. Because Christ is over me, my sin can be forgiven. Today, you can have a new start. I can have a new start. So we look to the past to learn from, to grow from, to embrace a story that has brought us here, but not a story that defines us on this day. God is doing something new today. Not because you've made some resolution to get more organized in your house. Not because you've made some resolution to be more disciplined even in a, your Bible reading. He's doing something new because the blood of Christ has, brought, has bought that for us. Listen to how Paul says in 2 Corinthians. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And this is from God. Who through Christ reconciled us to Himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So you see that just as Christ came on a mission of joy and then made us ambassadors of joy, that would be the last couple of sermons that we've gone through, the last couple of messages. Just as Christ came and made us uh, uh, get, came on a mission of joy, made us ambassadors of joy, He also came on a ministry of reconciliation. Reconciliation based on the new thing that he is doing. And then it says that he has given us the ministry of reconciliation. We now operate in a new truth. That we are reconciled to God because of Christ. And that we now take that ministry, take that truth, take the beauty of that out into the world with us. He's doing a new thing. I don't know what this year holds for you guys. I have no idea what God has in store for you. I don't know if it's blessing after blessing and joy after joy, or if it's suffering after suffering. I don't know what's ahead for any of you. I, I, I wish that we could, we could walk through each of these and, 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 and talk with you. How did you think this past year was going to go? How did it actually go? I don't know what's ahead. But I know that what's behind doesn't have to define you. As important as it is to reflect on what has happened, what has happened is in the past. And God's about doing something new. So my question for you is, how do you, how do you, how do you, you move from that place? And I can't answer this for you. This is between you and the Holy Spirit. How do you move from that place where you say, this is simply who I've been and what I do, to a place that says, God, what do you want me to do to be made new today? What is the new thing that you want to do, God? Think about if we approach New Year's resolutions with that question. That question right there. What's the new thing that you want to do in me today, this year? Not, what are the things that I can do to make myself a better person? What are my own personal self-improvement projects? So that if I somehow, by against every, uh, every, every uh, uh, stat that's out there, I'm able to, to hold on to this New Year's resolution. If I am somehow able to hold on to that, I simply would pat myself on the back and say, look at what I've done this year. And again, you're defining yourself either by your failures or your, your successes for the year. What if you approached that and you said, God, this is who I've been. Here's where I messed up. I want you to do something new. I want to be in Christ. I want to know Christ. I want you to tell me, God, what is it that you want to do new in this year through me and in me? That changes the way we talk about these ideas of New Year's resolutions and, and reflections and, and thinking about the past and looking forward to the future. God, what is the new thing that you would have for me? It's a totally different philosophy. Now this isn't a matter of you just kind of white knuckling it and hanging on and saying, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it until like February and then you can't. Now this is about This is all about how you say, God, I am trusting you to do a new thing. You you know that passage in Isaiah 43, the first one that that I read there, the one back in Isaiah 43 where he says, Remember not the former things of old, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. That's not Isaiah saying that. That is God saying that he is doing a new thing. That entire section of scripture is couched in the great works of God. It is couched in what God has done. I think it's important for us to realize that God doesn't say, Behold, I am calling you to do a new thing, Israel. He says, Behold, I am doing a new thing, and I can do it because I am God, and I have the power to do it. I'm just bringing you along. Wouldn't you like to come along with me? That's what he's saying to you right now. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. You want to be a part? Because I'm inviting you to come along. And it's for your joy if you'll come along. Will it be easy? Probably not. Will it go the way you think it will? Almost certainly not. But it will be for your joy. And it will be a new thing. God says, "I I know what is ahead for you. And I know what you can be a part of. And I'm inviting you to come along. This is the gospel that we celebrate. This is what we celebrate as Christians. This is not kind of self, some sort of like self-ra-ra, self-improvement. You can do it. You can't do it. You can't. Whatever you manage to accomplish on your own, you're only going to turn it into, whatever you put out there as yours to accomplish as your own, it's either going to go in the category of your self-righteousness or your failure, one of the two. That doesn't get us anywhere. But God says, I can do it, and I am doing it. And that is the gospel for us, and that is what we celebrate. That is what we come here to proclaim every Sunday. You know what's great about today? Today is January the 2nd. It's a new year. We're talking about New Year's resolutions. But do you know what's more important about today than the fact that it's January 2nd? It's that it's Sunday. And do you know what Sunday is? It's Easter Sunday, every Sunday. We say that a lot here in Providence. We gather together together every Sunday in an unbroken line since the day Christ was born, or born, was raised, since the day Christ was raised. We gather in an, in, an, in an unbroken line to celebrate that fact that in that moment God accepted the, the ratification for the new covenant and that the new covenant is now in place. It's far more important that it's Sunday than that it's January 2nd and a new year. It's Sunday and we're here to celebrate the resurrection because that's what we do. Because God's doing a new thing and you can be a part of that. I'm going to pray. The table will be open here, the elements for the Lord's Supper. We have the individual ones. If you'd rather do that, that's totally fine. But it's, it's open to remember exactly what it is that Christ has done, to look to the past. The past is not irrelevant. The past is not irrelevant in the sense that it doesn't matter, but it simply teaches us about what God is doing today as he makes all things new. So the table will be open for you to come, take the Lord's Supper. I encourage you to take this time, even in this moment, to pray, to consider what this past year has been. Maybe you just want to take a few minutes to think about where God has shown up and been faithful. Maybe you want to take a few minutes to think through some of the things that you've endured and now you are here to this place and you just want to ask God, God, do something new. I'm tired of being the same old thing, the same old me. I believe you'll hear that prayer. Take the time to reflect and consider. If you are a new creation in Christ and you are actively following Christ, the table is open to you. If you're not a Christian, if that is not who you are and you don't know what it means to be a new creation, I'd love nothing more than to talk to you about that. I'd ask that you would abstain from the the elements, but, but that you would come and that you would talk or you would find someone here to talk about and say, what does it mean to be a new creation? We'd love nothing more than to be able to walk through what it is that Paul says here about being reconciled to Christ. Will you pray with me? Father, this morning I am grateful for new beginnings. I am so grateful that I am not defined by the failures of my past or even the successes of my past, that I am so much more than the sum of my moments because I am in your Son, in Jesus Christ. I pray that I would be found in Him and that everyone in this room would be found in Him. Father, give us eyes to see where you are doing a new thing. May we celebrate on this Sunday morning the beauty of a new creation and a risen Jesus. It's In Christ's name we pray. Amen. The tables are open.